Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Guy mm-hmm. with the wins. Because whether they won championships or not, they would have won a ton of regular season games. Sure. And he would have been he would have been the star. Yep. He's still a star, but it was it was it became about the two. Here's what Kevin Durant changed. When Kevin Durant came, it went from Steph and Clay and Draymond to you know it was those three right and strength in numbers mm-hmm. right. That's what it was. I remember that. Yeah, it was those three and strength in numbers. When Kevin Durant came, it became two twos. It became Durant and Curry. Mm-hmm. The, the headliners, right? Clay Thompson and Draymond, the next tier down, and then Iguodala and others. Okay, and Livingston, and whoever they plugged in at that. But time. it became Curry. It, it wasn't about. It was Curry and Durant, and a lot of times it was about Durant because Durant was such a polarizing player. What do you make of Durant uh, naming the five guys he's played with, the five best guys he's played with, and not having Steph on the list? What do you make of that? I think it's harmless. Do you, do you think it's harmless, or do you think he's got a little... Do you think he's got... Well, but at the same time, he was asked Curry or Westbrook, and he said, Curry, who's the better player? Right. Like, he was asked specifically that question. He said, he said Curry, why? Because he's a better shooter. Hmm. Okay. Um, I mean, yeah. His dream team of former teammates... Kyrie, Harden, Draymond, and Serge. That was his answer. Wait, run that back for me again? So um, Kevin Durant was asked to pick his perfect team out of all the players he's played with, including himself. So he chooses Kyrie, Harden, Draymond, Serge Ibaka, and then he's on the list. So he picked Kyrie. Yep. He hasn't played with Kyrie. Well, he's assuming that. So there you go. See, see, I think, but I think that's semantics. I think he's taking up for the guy he's with now. Okay, but you mean to tell me that it's it's a little weird, but it's nothing worth overanalyzing. And remember, uh, now he takes Draymond, and remember, everyone said, well, the reason he's going to leave is because Draymond yelled at him in the Clipper game. And remember, KD was yelling, "That's why I'm out here," or "No, that's why I'm out of here." That's yeah. why I'm out of here. And everyone said, no. He said, that's why I'm out here. Get me the ball. And everyone said, no. He said, that's why I'm out of here. So I'm leaving at the end of the year. Remember that scuttle? I do remember that. That was fantastic. And yet Draymond makes the list. Maybe KD respects the guy who got in his grill. I think those two wound up fine. Okay. By the end of everything. How about the uh, how about the other main guy of the, the two headliners? Steph? Yeah. I think they're fine. Okay. I just find that intriguing that you don't add that guy. I don't I, look, we we I mean we've delved far too much probably into the psyche of Kevin Durant the last 3 years. Yeah, you're he, right. He was with the Warriors. No need to revisit. But like 
I mean, when he did make the comments about how he didn't feel like he was one of the you know, one of the other guys because he you know, wasn't drafted here, I, mean, I, I think there's some some truth to that. I think that's fair. Mm-hmm. You know, but but why why do we crush a guy for just saying what he's feeling or saying what he thinks? I, I I'll say this. I'll give you my one my one overanalyzation. Good. I love that. Of of it, I I always got the impression that that maybe he thought Steph got a little too much of the credit locally, and you know, and and that Steve Kerr got a little maybe too much of the credit. Okay. Like and and maybe the overall culture got the the overall culture got a little too much of the credit. I think as opposed to the talent. Again, if I'm going to play armchair sports psychologist, I think he came from a place where he was a god, Oklahoma City, and he was. He was a god there, and he came to another place where there were other gods, and I think he didn't have... And even guys who were lesser players than him were other gods. Yeah, they, exactly. That there were gods here that weren't of his godly abilities, and then... He felt like, well, if they're gods, and I'm going to be some, I'm going to take God to a super level because of who I. And he never got that. And I do think that there is a. If you were to ask Warrior fan right now, eight 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 nine five seven nine five seven zero, is Kevin Durant going to go down as a warrior? I don't think he is going to go down as a warrior. I don't think. I think Warrior fan even knows he was a rented player. He was never part of us. Us. He was with us, but he wasn't part of us. I think that's what a Warrior fan would tell you. I have a hard time going with that, though. In what way? What do you, what makes it a hard? I, I have a hard time rolling with that because he helped them win two championships. Yeah, I and agree. And it's two championships that they may not have won without him. And that's what he's saying. He's saying, "Wait a minute, I should have an otherworldly status here." And I think a lot of Warrior fans say, "Thank you for bringing us those titles," but you, we always knew it wasn't going to be a long. You know what well, you are? You're the hot girl. Who for some reason chose me for a, lo- a short amount of time, and we rode together for the longest time, for as long as I could hope for, and then you finally got your wits about yourself and said, "You know what? Now I'm going to go on to the next best thing." That's what he was for the Warrior fan. It's one way to look at it. I, I think the Warrior fan response to that would be, "Well, you'd be one of us if you had if you had signed the five year deal yep. a year before you left. Yep, you win two championships and then you re up for five. Years, then it's not two, not three, not five, not six, you know. But he, I, I don't know. I think he will always be loved. I don't know if he's traveling with uh, the Nets this year while he rehabs, but if he does and he walks through uh, the tunnel uh, in the Chase Center, I, I'm, I'm hoping the fans give him the standing O. I think that'll be a, a pretty exciting time. But I just don't know if he's in the, if he's in the gut the way these other guys are who won champ. I, you know what? KD, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll go. Let me think of a good comparison. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna think of a good comp, and you tell me. I'll give you one right now. Who's more of a warrior? Thought of as more of a warrior by a warrior fan, Kevin Durant or Zaza Pachulia? No, Kevin Durant's by far Kevin the Durant. greatest player. Kevin Durant. I think fans love Zaza Pachulia more. No, I'm not gonna go that far. I, I thought you were gonna say Iguodala or Livingston. Okay, you can. Go that there. might be a better. You can go there. That might be a better. Iguodala is known as a warrior because Iguodala was part of all the champ, you know, part of all the championships. Yeah, because I think there's Warriors fans that well, Iguodala won three. Yep, Durant won two. Livingston, Livingston won three. Livingston and Iguodala. That's why I was trying to come up with one a little bit more outrageous. But I think there are fans who would say Zaza is us. 
Zaza is us. I think that's a little extreme. Okay. All right. I think that's a little extreme. Uh, 925 with a great point that we'll get to on the other side. More of your phone calls. 888-957-9570. I actually agree with this text from the 925, but we'll get to it. And I strongly agree. And we'll really? get to that and more of your calls coming up. Connor Letourneau at 1230. It's J.D. and Coz on 957 again. Now back to Warriors This Week on 95.7 The Game. How about them apples? Jim Cozumar. That's outstanding. Can we, we say we that just, on the air? No. Uh, I, no. Well, you can. No, I'm, I'm not I'm going not, to. I'm not going to either. But uh, the 415 had a particular take on Kevin Durant. and um, I've heard that one before. That's a, it's an interesting one, though. Coz had the audacity oh, to compare man. Kevin Durant to Zaza Pachulia. Yep. Somebody, Somebody's probably right now... Putting uh, tweeting Kevin Durant saying that you said that. Yep, and then he'll. I don't care about no. I don't damn care about no damn Coe's night. That's what he's going to say. That's what he'll tweet out. That was awesome. That actually was really funny. I don't damn care about no damn Drake night. That that was really funny. And and I and I, I think I've told you this before. I, I know some of our regular listeners have heard this, and I don't know if Bobby's got that. Bobby, if you if you could find the the Kevin Durant drop, the the the, the one that. I'm Kevin Durant. Like that that still cracks me up. Where it in the press con I don't know. In the press conference when, you know, he was talking about how he would, you know, view going up against certain certain opponents and I'm Kevin Durant. I'm Kevin Durant. You know who I am. Exactly. Like and just the way that he looked when he, <laughs> the way he kind of looked at everybody I was like, "Gee, okay. I hope I can ever be as good at anything in my life as Kevin Durant is at basketball to where I could look at somebody else dead in the eye and say, I'm bleepity bleep. Yeah, I know. It's just... It, you know who I am. I actually kind of liked Kevin Durant for doing that. I loved that. Yeah, that might have been my favorite Kevin Durant moment as a Warrior. And for some guys, I'd kind of go, what a D. But, but I actually think he enjoyed being the... He's kind of a cartoon villain. Yeah, like I think he's likable. I think he's likable too. But I think he also is likable. But he likes bleeping with people. He does. He does. I think he had had it. He kind of had it in his mind what he was going to do. So he was saying stuff. He was a little bit WWE, and he was a little bit Marvel superhero. But I kind of dug it. Well, you want to get to some calls? Who doesn't? We'll get to some calls. The the Chilton text line had a great take on Durant and. Kyrie Irving, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm searching for it, and I can't find it now. Oh, come Again, because we've had a bunch of we had a bunch of because way too many people are, are come in with their involved in the show with their yeah their dirty hot Kevin Durant takes. <laughs> Thank you, by the way. We appreciate you going to the Chilton Auto Body text line. It, it was very simple. The nine two five said KD and and Kyrie might not be friends anymore after playing on the same team. I wholeheartedly agree with that. Why is that? Well, I'm going to tell you coming up. Okay. but I want I don't want to make the people wait any longer. Coach. All right, all right. I'm on your side. Wa- this. Joaquin is up first here. Joaquin, you're on ninety five seven. The game. Hey, Joaquin. Hey, how's it going, guys? Um, I want to kind of chime in on uh, you know whether we'll think of Durant as a warrior. You know, as a soldier, I figured this way. You fight in a battle with me, and they battled it out. You know, that makes you one of us. You bring a victory, and that solidifies, you know, that you're you're one of us. You know, 
the, the question will be, will Durant consider himself a warrior looking back on his career? You know, that, I think, is, is truly the question. That's interesting, um, Joaquin. Let me let me let me just change your your um, equation just a little bit. He did go and fight in the war with those guys, but was he one of the soldiers or was he one of the mercenaries? Because mercenaries are also engaged in war, and I don't think the soldiers always say to the mercenaries, "Hey, we're all when that's all said and done. Hey, we all fought the same battle." Fair enough. Yeah, I think yeah, I think it'll come down to a matter of of, of perspective based on. The fact that you know, and then I think what though that would throw one more onto the, one more log onto that fire is, you know, he blew out, he got that injury going out there when he kind of really didn't have to, and so I think in that regard, that's where I would consider him a warrior because at that point, I mean, that's true. Not playing, sure, he can pay, but you know, he he didn't shy away. That's you true. You know, went out there, and so that that's what solidified it for me. Uh, you know, so that's my take. Thanks again, guys. Yeah, I agree. That that last point that you made, Joaquin, is an awesome one. No, the that's guy a great stepped point. on the floor, risked his career and future to try and win a championship. He, he gave up a year of his career. He did. He did. And in his prime. And and the cynic will say, "Yeah, he got his paper." You know what? Yeah. The guy's already got paper. He was gonna, but he was gonna get his paper regardless. Exactly. He's already got that, and he's gonna get more of it. These guys. Here's the one thing if I could teach to anybody. Why do these guys keep doing it? They're different than you and me. If I had $50 million in the bank, I'd be – you think I'd be showing up on Saturday at 8 in the morning no. to get ready for a 9 o'clock show? No. No. These guys are wired differently. Joe Lacob had $500 million. You know what he's got now? A billion dollars. Exactly. He does it – what? Do you think he's can buy – do you think he's buying more yachts? It's the competitive nature. It's the same thing with KD. It's the same thing with Steph. Hey, you got a contract that pays you $200 million. Why do you got to have a shoe and travel to China or Japan or wherever you're going to sell your shoe? You know why? They want to compete and have experiences on new levels that they wouldn't have been able to have. That's why these guys do it. Joe in San Francisco, you're next on 95.7 The Game. Hey, Joe. Hey, how's it going, guys? Good. Hey, love the show. Um... Durant always felt like to me that he had like one foot out the door, you know, but as far as like Zaza, Livingston, and Iguodala, I love those guys. You know, I mean, I always loved watching them play. You didn't really hear much complaining from those guys. They weren't like putting themselves out there in the news and stuff like that. That's the only thing that I think Durant was a little bit different with. You know what I mean? He always was maybe attention-seeking, needed to be out there, needed his name out there. The other guys just kind of soldiered along without too much, you know, too much pomp and circumstance about them. Okay. Thanks, Joe. Yeah, ahead, I appreciate Kobe. it. Uh, and I do think that there is going to be the special place for the, the Livingstons. And I, um, I do think those guys have a different place. There's no question about it. Um, but, but. It's funny that we're talking. We're still talking about Durant over here, and I think part of that is it's it's almost more refreshing to talk about Durant because right now, for some people, the reality of what the current Warrior situation isn't as enticing to talk about because it's a a little bit more of an unknown. Where Durant, we are have already carved out our spaces, so it's it's maybe more fresh to talk about. It looks like you're looking something. Yeah, no, I was just looking at something. Okay, I don't give a damn about no damn Drake Knight. I was trying to find. I was. That's yeah. my. That's one of my favorite. That yeah. That's one of, of your favorites, and then I found our. I found my favorite. I'm Kevin Durant. You know who I am. That that is 
That is my all-time favorite moment from Durant. You were in that his scrum? whole career, I was. Were you were in that scrum. And, That's but, awesome. but it was the look on his face, like I'm Kevin Durant. You know who I am. That's <laughs> just, awesome. I like for one moment of my life want to be that badass at anything to where I can just look, just look everybody in the eye and say, "I'm Kevin Durant." You know who I am. It's just. I do think that would be cool. That that is that that is an ultimate dunk on somebody, <laughs> grab junk, get on the scores table, and take a few swings. I will say this about Durant: when when we I was over at NBC, I was doing a show called Sports Talk Live. They made the deal where they got Kevin Durant in uh, through free agency, and then they had the big press conference, blowout press conference. And on Sports Talk Live, I had the chance to do the one on one. With Durant. Yeah. And I still have a couple of pictures of him and I. And it's kind of funny. I look like a ventriloquist dummy to him being the ventriloquist because we're sitting in these tall bar stools. Sure. His feet are on the ground and mine are dangling like I'm a like I'm a puppet. You know, like but as I did the interview, and it was about a ten minute interview, I there are few guys who were more thoughtful in their answers. And by that I don't just mean kind, I mean thoughtful. Right. The question came, and remember, he was an open book at that time. He thought he was doing something that every person on the planet sure. got a chance to do, and this is what it's going to be awesome. Next question. And it was going to be awesome where I'm a free agent. I get to go where I want to go. And he, he made his decision, and for 36 hours he laid in bed because he was there was such a rush of emotion about what his decision was. Yeah. And it was hatred in Oklahoma City. It was joy in other places. It was a thought of the the rich getting richer in other places, and people didn't like that. And so his answers were so thoughtful that it was one of my favorite interviews that I've done in my career. So that's how I think of Kevin Durant whenever he comes around is that, gosh, he was was such an interesting character going through so much mentally and emotionally when he came here. And then in the end, who was he in the end? It was Kevin Durant. I, I moved to another. You know yeah. why? I moved to another page because I oh, was going to. As you were working your way through the interview, yeah. I was I was thinking of new ways I could I could mess around. <laughs> I'm done. And it was so I, I moved to a different page so I could. You I'm know. done. That's what he said at the end of our interview. Grow I thought, up. I thought we were going to have a decent little exchange. Yeah. Like, hey, I appreciate that. And he said, "Grow up." That's what he said. And then he I'm said, "Done." Yep, that's it. That's how you. Then he walked away. And then I got on a step ladder and got down off the bar stool. Because that's where you because yeah. that's where you needed to be exactly, and then to and get then, down on the ground, and then after yeah, and then after that he said, "I'm Kevin Durant. You know who I am." Exactly. That's exactly how the interview uh, went. Robert in Pittsburgh. Before we get to Connor Letourneau on ninety five seven, I've been having fun with the buttons. It's been you a while are. since I played with the buttons. All of a sudden, you're in the sock drawer. Like... And you got a little character thing going over there. <laughs> okay, I got some puppets. Yep, you got your puppets out. What's what's up, Robert? Uh, I looked at Kevin Durant and the Warriors. He was kind of a warrior, but he not like I would say that he was, but he wasn't a warrior. The only reason I say why I look at him as the Justice League, and he would kind of be the Batman of the Justice League. He wasn't really a part of them, but he would still help them out and do his part. And <laughs> then once it was done, he left and went about to go about doing what he wanted to do. That's interesting. It's a good way to look at yeah, it. Yeah, it is. That is really you know that's a fresh take, Robert, and I appreciate that. Not bad. We got Connor? Okay, we do. Yeah, we get, we've got uh, yeah. the great Connor Letourneau I'm a at ConCron on Twitter. Uh, Warriors this week, John Dickinson, Jim Cozumore. Connor, what's going on, buddy? How you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, give us your 
biggest takeaway? Give us your one game take right now from, from the Playoff Clippers team or not? Because I, I mean, I, I we we're throwing this around earlier, and it, like my big takeaway, there were there were two. It was okay. The Warriors are not on the level of the Clippers. We know that. I think we thought we already knew that going into the game Thursday night. But the other takeaway was. Can these guys just play somebody other than the Clippers and the Lakers who look like they're two pretty bad matchups for this team? Yeah, I think those are probably fair conclusions to draw. Obviously, everyone's quick to proclaim this a lost season and say the Warriors have no chance of making the playoffs, but the reality is it was just one game. It's a long season. A lot can happen. But honestly, I was not surprised by the outcome of the opener um, entering that game. I had told some people I, I, I expected them to lose by at least 20. I just didn't think they were ready for that type of stage against a team as formidable as the Clippers, even without Paul George. Um, anyone who was around training camp in preseason saw that there's still very much a work in progress, and, and these young guys still need to get used to, to NBA roles and playing meaningful minutes. So, um, my, my, I guess the biggest concerns obviously were defensive. Um, although the Clippers are, are, are great offensively, the Warriors just looked like they had no idea what they were doing on that side of the ball. And then uh, uh, the other big concern is getting Steph some help because, you know, we all know that the Warriors need him to play at an MVP level for, to make the playoffs this season. And, um, you know, he was facing such a tough defense, so much pressure from the Clippers. You wonder if other teams are going to try to replicate that, and when they do, can the Warriors figure out some sort of solution? Connor, one of the themes around here today has been, well, for a lot of NBA teams, it takes a quarter of the season or 20 games to figure out who you are. If if that's the case, can the Warriors afford to take 20 games to figure out who they are, or could that be enough time for them to lose that um the opportunity to be a seven or an eight seed in the West. I mean, it depends on how many losses figuring out who you are spells, right? I mean, is it does it mean they open two and eighteen? Yeah, I would say that they, they they might have a tough time making the playoffs. But if they can go at least close to five hundred in this early part of the schedule, which I think is doable because it's it's a relatively forgiving opening month or so of the season. Um, I think that they have a, you know, still have a solid chance of making the playoffs, even though I think it's going to be pretty deep in the West. Um, you know, they, the big thing is they need Daniel Russell to get comfortable with Steph Curry. Um, they, they still look like they're, they're operating two different offenses. They're at their best when they're not together, which isn't what you want. So if they can get D'Angelo to, be in sync with Steph, that, that'll go a long way. And then in the process, you can just try to at least get better defensively. This is never going to be an elite defense, but they need to avoid the bottom 10 in defensive rating. That, that's going to be important. What do you think the, the the right mix is for those two when they're on the court together? Because I, I agree with you. It hasn't, it hasn't seemed to work. Uh, but I also couple that with, you know, a couple of times where Steve Kerr has said, 
you know, he thought some of the, the new players had, had you know, showed a, a level of basketball IQ, and I think he was talking more about Chris and Glenn Robinson, a basketball IQ to be able to run more of the same stuff that they'd ran in previous years than maybe he had originally thought. But is that maybe left D'Angelo Russell a little more high and dry? Because he isn't a straight shooter like Clay Thompson is. He's a scorer that can make shots, but he just does it in such a different way when he's his most effective. Yeah, definitely. I think the biggest issue is just kind of the pace of play. Obviously, D'Angelo Russell's a guy who is pretty slow and prodding. He he needs to slow down the pace and kind of find his spots on the floor, and that's not what where the Warriors are at their best. They, they're they they're at their best when Steph has the ball in his hands, is moving, creating. Um, they're ratcheting up the tempo. And it feels like a lot of these younger guys are getting on the same page as Steph in terms of being good at, you know, moving off the ball and, and setting screens and those things. But I don't think that D'Angelo is there at all right now. And I think the onus is going to be on D'Angelo to find out how he fits and I think a lot of it is going to be he just needs to get comfortable being more of a spot-up shooter he is a really good spot-up shooter and I think he has the ability to excel in that role um he just needs to kind of acquiesce to not having the ball in his hands and I think I think that Steve was trying in preseason and training camp to find sort of a middle ground where hey you know we, we still want you to play to your strengths and be that pick and roll guy at times and there still are moments where he can do that, but that can't be fundamental to his playing style anymore. It's just it's clear already that that's not going to work. Connor, I know that the Warriors have been clear in saying that D'Angelo Russell is part of their future, but is this also part of the evaluation? You said like he's got to get comfortable being a spot-up shooter. He needs to have the ball a little bit more than is typical for a Warriors team. Is this are they? Are they in an evaluation process with him as they formulate what their future could look like? I mean, every day is an evaluation process, right? I mean, right, but they don't have to do that to the main pieces. Like they don't have to evaluate. And and I I think they're trying to sell that D'Angelo is part of a main piece. But is it truly that he's he still need they still need to figure it out with what they do and what his skills are? For sure, they're and they're going to give it at least a couple months before they start feeling like this is not going to work or this is, you know, um, a failed proposition. You know, this is a guy who is on a max deal for a reason, was an all-star last year with Brooklyn. Um, everyone knows why they made that complex that complex sign-in trade with Brooklyn. He was their only – it was their only way of getting a 23-year-old all-star in the wake of Durant's departure. So they want to make this work. They're going to do everything they can to make this work. D'Angelo Russell seems eager to make it work. He's saying all the right things. He, he's, he's grown up looking up to Steph Curry, so I, I don't think he wants to let down his idol. Um, but, you know, we're talking a lot about offense here, and it's not just about offense. Uh, defensively is going to be really important for D'Angelo, too. I mean, this is a guy who was downright awful in preseason defensively. Now, you don't want to put too much stock in preseason defense, but he had one of the worst defensive ratings in the entire NBA in the preseason, and he needs to at least be adequate defensively, uh, especially when you're in a backcourt with Steph, who's never going to be an elite defender. There's just kind of a trickle-down effect there, and that to me is just as important as what he does offensively. 
Connor Letourneau of the Chronicle, our guest here on Warriors this week with John Dickinson and Jim Cozumore, 95.7 The Game. Uh, Connor, where are the Warriors at health-wise? I know they haven't had uh, an availability as far as the media since the, the end of the game on Thursday night. They, they will later today in Oklahoma City at some point. But uh, what, what's your feel on where Draymond Green is at and where Kevon Looney uh, is at as far as just their availability for these next two games? Yeah, I, I honestly don't know. Like you said, we haven't gotten a chance to to talk to anyone. Um, I think it it's, it bodes well that Draymond played through his injury. I think that's one of those injuries where you can't really necessarily make it worse. It, you know, you just kind of have to deal with the pain. And so, knowing how important Draymond is to this team being competitive, and knowing who Draymond is, I would expect him to probably play tomorrow in Oklahoma City and then Kavon I don't know I mean I could see them maybe sitting him a little bit just because this was an issue throughout training camp the hamstring and then he tweaks it again in the opener that doesn't exactly bode well you know they might and, and he's obviously a really important piece for them so they they'll, they'll want to be careful with him but the flip side of that is they could be welcoming back Alec Burks who we haven't really talked a lot about, but I, I think it actually be really important for the war, what the Warriors are doing. I had a couple people in the organization tell me that they think that until Clay comes back, that Alec Burks could be the third leading scorer. Uh, this is a guy who has proven that he can hit shots early in his career with Utah. Um, didn't get a ton of playing time last season in Sacramento, but he's still a pretty good shooter. Has looked good in workouts that I've seen. And he's as proven offensively as anyone they have outside of D'Angelo and Steph. So if they can get him back, that'll help a lot. Hey, how different is this year covering this team? In the past, you know, October and November weren't exactly the spotlight months to watch the Warriors play, only because we kind of knew things were going to go into June. But are things, is it a little bit more anticipatory and fun knowing that the Sunday afternoon game against Oklahoma City in October actually might mean something if they want to be a 7 or an 8 seed. Or the game going into New Orleans, even though Zion's not there, it's another game that kind of has to go to the Warriors' balance if they're going to be a playoff team. Yeah, I'll be honest. You know, People would assume that covering a team that's not as good would be less fun, but I'm actually having even more fun this season just because every game matters now. Um, whereas the past couple of years, you know, it's been a six-month prelude to the games that actually matter. Um, and now, you know, there's so many questions that have yet to be answered, rotations, young guys stepping up, uh, how Steph and, and Draymond are going to handle leadership roles, um, that it's exciting for me as the beat writer because all I really care about is just having good stories to tell and having things to write, and there's plenty to write right now, so I can't complain. By the, there, by the way, Rick Welts, there's your uh, slogan, Every Game Matters. Get it on the T-shirts. Yeah. yeah, get it on the T-shirts. Throw it on every chair at Chase Center. Go ahead. No, I, I, I was just going to say, I mean, the it's gone from the regular season doesn't mean anything to the regular season means everything. And there's a lot more basketball-related storylines, right, compared to the last couple of years where it almost seemed like it was a lot of things from the outside, maybe set features aside from that, but it was, a, it was more about a lot of the noise and the temperament of the team as opposed to the actual basketball in the regular season. Exactly. Yeah. Last season was all about the Durant drama. And then when that wasn't going on, I was just spending a lot of my time finding off the court features because there was not a lot to say X's and O's related, but, but I have a feeling that 
I'm going to be writing a lot more about what's going on, on the court this season because there's just so many pressing questions. You know, um, I, there were at least five things from that opener that I felt like I could write about after the game because they were important. You know, how, how Steph was defended, how the, the defensive breakdown, the emergence of Jacob Evans. You know, there was just a lot going on. So um, as someone who loves the sport of basketball, uh, I'm excited about that. Well, it'll be exciting. I, I, and another thing that's exciting is, like you said, Burks comes in. you got to see how they work him in and what happens. Willie Cauley-Stein comes in. Let's see how they work him in. This is going to be a, a many-layered, chaptered book that we're going to get for 82 games as opposed to the big chunks of, all right, we're waiting for us to finally get after the All-Star break when we can start paying attention to something. I, I just, I, I again, the, the mini storylines leading up to the, the greater story, Connor, I think are going to make, they should make it as fun, if not in a different way, more fun for the Warrior fan. Yeah, and I think I think Warriors fans just kind of need to change their mentality a little bit. You know, I've heard people obviously complaining about the ticket prices and what have you, and I understand that. But I think that if you're a fan of basketball, this should still be fun for you uh, because it, there's a lot going on. There's a lot to pay attention to. It's just it's just not fun in the same way the same way maybe you're used to. Connor, great stuff, man. We really appreciate it. Be safe on the road, and uh, we'll see you midweek. All right, appreciate it, guys. All right, Connor Letourneau of the Chronicle. Yep. Joining us here on 95.7 The Game. I, I love hearing him. It almost sounds like he's rejuvenated. It sounds crazy. Oh, it's going to stink this year. They're not going to go to the finals. No, he's going to have more nights where something matters. It's going to be more interesting. There are going to be better storylines that unfold. That's actually, I, I'm actually aligned with him in that thinking as somebody that's now hosting the the pre and the post game show. It's mm-hmm. you know it's more about the actual games, yep. and the storylines, and a little bit of the X's and O's, and and the rotation and things like things like that that were overanalyzed and analyzed and analyzed the last few years. But it we really didn't have genuine basketball conversations until it was April. Nope, you're right. Question on uh, the Chilton Auto Body text line from the 925. When does Willie Cauley-Stein come back? They were going to recheck him at the end of the month, right? Start yeah, of November. Exactly. So we're a week away from an update. Yeah, so that... So it's still... It, I think it could be... I think it could be within the first third of November. at the, On the back... You know, probably the back end. Okay. That's fair. I, I, if I had to guess, I would say around the tenth, probably the earliest. But that's again, that's speculation on my part. educated speculation based on you know hearing things. You know what you, we were talking about: watchable and unwatchable. Yeah, in the two, NBA two things on. we have left: watchable, unwatchable. And I wanted to get into Kyrie and and Durant. Oh yeah, you want to do the, K- the Kyrie next, Durant in the next because uh, we're down we about, about ten, we have ten, ten minutes. minutes. Yeah, and and you have you want to get you want to go back to that? Uh, well, there are a couple of things on uh, from the text line regarding. Kyrie yeah. and KD, and, and they said that what? Saying basically that they aren't going to be friends after they play together. And I, I kind of agree with that. I, I, I just think, to me, and it, it led more to what I, my theory on why they got together. Okay. To, let's, to let's play together. That's more, the, that's more where I wanted to go with it. Because I think, I think you had two players that have been a couple of different places before in their careers, mm-hmm. right? You have Kyrie Irving, who, who played with LeBron, Won a championship with LeBron. Yep. Was done with the LeBron drama, right? And just wanted to get the heck out of there. Wanted to have his own team. Wanted to be the man. Okay. Right? Yep. He wanted to get the heck out of there. Be his own team. Be the man. Get away from the LeBron drama. So he gets the he 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 does that. He goes to Boston. 
he finds out, you know what, maybe being a leader isn't, you know, that isn't for me. Nope. You know, I don't want to be that guy. Nope. Uh, so, he, you know, kind of things didn't click for him there. But then you've got Durant who, you know, couldn't get over the hump, couldn't get over the hump, comes to the Warriors, thinks that's going to fulfill him. So he goes a second place in his career. Mm-hmm. It isn't all that it's cracked up to be. And then he's thinking, well, wait a minute, I, you know, I need a change, I need a change, I need a change. So I feel like you have two players that just haven't fully – they haven't f- just found fulfillment in the game in two wildly different situations. So I could see them kind of getting together and and when they're just talking about their careers to this point, they they vibe off the fact that they've both have just kind of been annoyed by the way things played out. Like KD was sick of the Russ drama, Kyrie was sick of the LeBron drama in Cleveland, they both feel they're going to get fulfillment. Durant, by joining other great players, doesn't fulfill him. Kyrie, by going and leading his own unit, it doesn't fulfill him. And now they get together and they kind of bicker about, you know, Durant maybe saying, well, that Warriors culture, that's that's a joke. Mm-hmm. That's a, that, yeah, uh, all, exactly. All that Warriors oh, culture nonsense. Yeah. Heard about that. You know what? I'm Kevin Durant. Yep. We won a champ- two championships because... I'm Kevin Durant. You know who I am. And, and, and you know what? They're talking about Curry and Kerr yeah. and yeah. culture yeah. And, and strength and numbers. Yep. You know, So I could see him kind of venting about that. And then I could see Kyrie venting not only about LeBron, but venting about all oh, these young guys that think they're so damn good in, in Boston and won without me. Uh, you know, They should be figuring out how to play with me rather than me figuring out how to play with them. So I just see could see them coming together and having some some common grievances. I get that. I get that. Of the two guys' grievances, KD's might be the closest to right because it's easier to have that great culture when you're winning championships or you're winning seventy three and losing in the yeah. finals. And it's it, you know what I mean. It, it, I mean they're both they're both a little different. They're both similar sure. and different. Yes. They both won championships. Yep. As I mean. They Kyrie both, won the title in Game 7 because they went to him and he hit the game. But they game both, in, in a way, won championships as twos. And 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 I'm going to say... Ask my well, buddy KD about that. Well, that ex, ex, no, you're exactly right. I'm Kevin Durant. Yeah. You know who I am. But, here, but here's the thing, and I think that's part of the pull with Durant. Kyrie won the championship, and you're right. They both share this. Mm-hmm. Kyrie was the reason he hit... I mean, look, LeBron was... LeBron's LeBron. LeBron's LeBron. But when they needed one, they went to Kyrie. But Kyrie was as... Inter- he was a bigger part of that, yes. is, including the game-winning shot yes. in Game 7. But Kyrie was the two to LeBron's one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe didn't get the due that was worth all the drama in right. his mind. Right. Durant... Maybe didn't get to do with the Warriors that was worth all the drama in okay. his mind. And Durant, even though in NBA circles, Durant's the better player than Curry. Yep. Have that conversation here. Have that conversation here. Yeah. It's no, it's Curry and Durant was along for the ride. If yeah. you talk to people in the Bay Area. So I think they both share that. You know what? We both won championships for these made dudes that you know, have their own have their own thing going on, but we're the reason that those I teams see, won. I see your argument. I definitely see so your I argument. So I could see them getting together over some drinks. Yep. It's all star weekend. Everyone's they're standing on the outside looking at looking at uh, whether it's looking at LeBron and, and Curry getting all this international attention and they're standing there talking off to the side. 
And then all of a sudden, uh, look at those two guys. Everyone and it's a little bit of the misery loves guys. company. Yes. So that's that's my theory. And yes. I, but I think we're gonna. Th- I'm fascinated when the two actually get to play together because I I could definitely see them wind up not liking each other. It would be well. Right now, the Nets aren't the Nets. No, they're not the the fun up tempo. I'm going to root for you guys because you're the stinking Nets and you play hard and you made it to a playoff spot. That's not who they are right now. And that's what the Celtics were when they didn't have Kyrie Irving, and that's what they weren't once they got him back. There's an even added layer to it because you've got the Nets who aren't the Nets, and then you're going to drop Kevin Durant in the middle of that. Yeah, I know. I which know. just creates another dynamic. I'm yeah. Kevin Durant. You know who I am. But are, that's a dynamic for a year from now. Are the Durants and the Irvings going to be smart enough to realize You've got these other guys busting their tail. That's why you got. That's why you were interested in them in the first place. You know, you're not supposed to go there. Uh, you're not supposed to go there and change that culture. It's like when people move to Idaho, they go, "God, this is so beautiful over here. This is great." And then they get there and they go, "Oh, but you guys don't do this, which we used to do in California. So we're going to change all your rules over there." Idaho's like, "No, that's why you like us. We're not you." Exactly. The Nets are looking at Kyrie, saying, "We're not you. Come in and play like us. We're going to win." So we do some watchables and unwatchables yeah, here in the last three I, and a well, half, four let's minutes. Do that. We can do teams, and I'm just looking at the week ahead at some of the games. Yeah, I for me, I, I look at. I mean, the Clippers and the Lakers are are watchable. Okay, I love watching Denver. I love watching Utah. I love watching Portland. Yep, I I, agree. I don't I agree on all those. I don't love watching San Antonio, or Houston, I'm all that tired. much. I'm tired of those two teams. I'm t- I'll watch. Of the three Texas teams, I'll watch Dallas before I'll watch Houston before I'll watch San Antonio. And, and, I, and I agree with you on that. I think the Warriors are a must-watch just because you don't know who or what they are, exactly. how good they are. Mm-hmm. Um, I still – it's it's a good time for the non-playoff teams in the Western Conference. I think the Pelicans, the Mavs. Pelicans with or without Zion or both? Or both. You like them both. You'll both. watch both. I think Sacramento is still watchable because that's a team that thought they had – a lot of young talent that was ready to make a jump with some depth and be a playoff team, and, and we're already seeing maybe they're not. But that is a lot of residual from last year. A lot of a lot of this year's view is based on last year's and, hope, and a lot and and a lot of it's based on the fact. I, I, I'm going to give you. A, I'll give you a quick Kings hot take. Okay, just a quick one. Okay, because there's a lot of time for it to play out. I think you could make a case that they downgraded in the coaching department. I I can see your argument. I can and see it, your argument. It's too early to it's too early right. to say that absolutely, but watching them through two games and you know, like you said, they're a team that may be garnered the twenty games. Although again, if they really want to be a playoff team, I don't think they've got twenty games to figure it out either. You're right. That's a good point. If you use that argument for the Warriors, you have to use that argument for the Sacramento Kings, you have to use that argument for anyone who's in that nine nine ten who hopes to be a seven eight. And if the Warriors or the Rockets or somebody's gonna fall out and one of those other teams are going to take their spot, Dallas, Pelican, Sacramento, whoever, Minnesota, whoever you think it is, yeah, Minnesota who's sleeper. going to be the best of that group, right? Mm-hmm. If, you're going to fi- if you're going to find that team, Sacramento's off to the worst start of all those teams. Absolutely. There's no question about that. Minnesota's a sleeper team now that I'll keep my eye on early in the year on my watch list. Yeah, I, they're not on my watch list yet. they got more work to do to earn it. And, and I'm, well, I'm, a, I'm, a cheap, I'm a cheap date. You win two in a row early in the year when I thought you were going to stink on toast. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to watch you, but you're you're easily removable. Eastern Conference, more watchable teams for me. I, I think Boston and Philly are still watchable. Yeah. Milwaukee's watchable. Yes. I still think Toronto's watchable. I like Toronto. Actually, 
I like Toronto. Indiana, to me, is watchable. I think they are, too. And we had a text that say that's, that that uh, Detroit, Cleveland, and Indiana, maybe Indiana, it said, was an unwatchable. Detroit, Cleveland, Charlotte, unwatchable. Knicks. Miami, borderline unwatchable. The Knicks, I think, are more watchable than those two teams. Really? Uh, Washington can take a hike. Atlanta moves up, and they're they're very much watchable. We talked a lot about yeah. them earlier. Atlanta is my pick to click as the Nets Kings of this year. Much like I picked the Niners to be the Rams Bears of this year, I'm picking the Hawks to be the Nets Kings of this year. And a good pick by you, by the way. Thank you. On that on that Niner pick. Thank you very much. It is now. It is now. Well, it is a good pick. Unless yeah. they go on ten the rest of the way. Exactly. Exactly. You know what? They're gonna be eight and two. Might finish nine and seven. Hey. Hater. Why you got to hate? Right? If I'd have told you at the start of the year, they'd be 9 and What a hater. You'd feel good. I want winners. What a hater. For that's Jim Cozumel. That's you, 43 wins. I'm hater. John Dickinson. Tittle and Urban are coming up next. Big thanks to Bobby, who did double duty today. Uh, and a, and yeah, thoughts Bobby. to our guy, Nash Solomon, as well. Yes, thoughts to Nash. Smoke him if you got him. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.